Now let's give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. 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 I have a confession to make. I love the Lord. I'm not trying to game you here. (laughs) I really love the Lord. My uncle used to have, this is not in my notes, but it just came to me. Uh, My uncle, I used to go to his house every, uh, ever so often. He had a plaque right in his his, uh, kitchen that said, a successful marriage involves falling in love several times but always with the same person. That's pretty important, right? <laughs> so yes, I've fallen in love many times with Joy. <laughs> wow, it's, it's a very responsive audience. Thank you. But it's only just this moment that occurred to me. This relates to my relationship with God as well. There are times of intensity and the whole world is new and there are times when it's the grind and everything feels old. But I love the Lord. Whether it's up or down, I love the Lord. There's a a verse of scripture, Psalm 116, verse 1, and then I'll get to my text. Psalm 116, verse 1. It says... I love the Lord, for he heard my cry. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. There's something powerful here. I'm not going to exegete it right here, but just to give you just a simple, it is because he reaches out to us that we're able to reach back out to him. So when we are suffering the vicissitudes, the ups and downs of the emotional roller coaster that is called life, one thing we can be certain of is that God loves us and that he hears us. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends today that your hand would be upon them and that your hand would be upon me May the words that I speak be life-giving and supportive. May may there be the words that someone in this audience needs right at this precise moment. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. I want to speak to you today on the topic, um, Mindcraft. You old folks, forget about it. You don't know what I'm talking about. When Minecraft first came out, it was me and my son setting up servers so we can do the multiplayer. This is long before it was on Android or Apple. It was long before. I mean, it was like just the most basic stuff. But Minecraft. Now, this is different, though. This is Mindcraft. Mindcraft. The discipline of crafting our minds. Now, we, my son and me spent hours, hours building this server and building these worlds only for the server to crash. You know how that's like, right? 
But I wonder if we spend, or if we as individuals spend enough time in the crafting of our minds. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Verse 4 begins with a Shema, which says, Hear, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with what? Heart, soul, and strength. That's Deuteronomy 6, 5. Now, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, there's a slightly different kind of a list. The list is heart, soul, mind. Oh, rather, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 6, 5, heart, soul, strength. Uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, heart, soul, mind. Mark 12, 30, heart, soul, mind, strength. And then Luke 10, 27, heart, soul, strength, mind. Hmm. An interesting pickle. I'm not going to solve this issue for you today. I'm, in fact, all of you are required to do reading and interpreting scripture. So this is your assignment. Go home and study this question. How is it that we have these different versions of this same quotation? I want you to pause there for a second, though while I take you on a journey, a story, my story, a very small part of it. So I was born in Barbados, as you can tell when I get excited. My words don't sound quite intelligible anymore. I was born and brought home to a really tiny house on the corner of Avon Lane. There's a picture of it right there. Tiny little house. I wasn't really expected to live. I wasn't expected to thrive. Because back in the 19... Whatever. A baby who was born as prematurely as I was would either die. In fact, the doctors said, I'd probably be blind. I'd probably be developmentally delayed. I'd also be physically delayed as well. So all the doom and gloom was said over my life. But I had a praying mother. I had a praying mother. And this praying mother refused to, ref- to accept what the doctor said. And she prayed. She took me home, and every night she rubbed me with oil. No, I, didn't, I don't remember this stuff, but she does. And she told me the stories, or she did, rather, because she died uh, many years ago. She would tell me, though, that I was born with the, still the hair, was still the lanugo, it's called, on my body. They called me the little monkey. I know it's not appropriate in America to do so. My limbs were so flexible that I could bend my feet and touch my shins because I, I was still like a ball of jelly. I really was. But she prayed. She prayed for me. And when she prayed for me, uh, she took me back for a postnatal visit two weeks after I had returned from the ho- I'd gone home from the hospital. The doctor said to her, You're lying. Please go and bring the child that was born. Because this one could not be it. She told me that story, and it has profoundly impacted me. From a very early age, I had a a sense of mission and and vision that has has moved me deeply. In fact, it has caused me to do some really crazy things. Keep this house in mind 
as we go to the next photo, please. I'm the last. If you see, I'm right in the middle. It's hard to see uh, because of the coloring, but I'm right in the middle with the big smile. And here, yes, here. Now, think about how small that house was. Flip back if you could to the house. Now flip forward to 10 people like this and, and think that actually it was 13 because by then a couple of our, my brothers and sisters had kids. It was really, really tiny and really, really small. But even in this, there was a sense of mission. There was a sense of vision. God was doing something great in my life. We were dirt poor. My father was an alcoholic. Look, you know, when you students see us as deans, you think we had it all together from the beginning. But can I tell you, we're just as messed up as you. You don't believe me, do you? Show them the next picture. I like this one. See, y'all think that chopper bikes are something new, but I had one of the original chopper. This is a rally bike. I am in the middle with my, you know, my pose and my graphic tee, right? You guys think y'all had the, y'all have this now? No, no, we had this way back in the 70s or thereabout. <laughs> From these small and tiny beginnings in a small and tiny island, God was doing something that I didn't understand. Flip to the next slide, please. This is kind of a picture tour. I'm glad to do this. Um, this is my high school. I went to high school in a school called Harrison College. Harrison College was founded in 1733. Some very important people uh, studied there, important leaders for the Caribbean. In fact, one of the key architects for the algorithms that govern Google was at my high school the same time I was there. He was probably about four or five years ahead of me. At the school, there was a, a, a very high value placed on education. You see, when you grow up this poor from the wrong side of the tracks, and if you're like my family, the only way out was education. So from early on, I was told to study, boy, study hard. This is the way you're going to get out. There is no inheritance coming, right? If there were, you got nine other people ahead of you. <laughs> So you got to study, and you got to make it on your own. So I, from very early on, I studied hard. I learned, and, and I, I excelled in my studies. So much so that I thought Christianity was a waste of time. Because I was bright enough, you know. I used to love Christians coming to me to witness. It was the most pleasurable thing, because I loved to shoot them down. Because they'd come up with the most stupid things to say. And I would be able to say, no, that doesn't make any sense. And here's why. I'm going somewhere with this. Trust me. <laughs> From that early stage in my life, I had a distaste for what I called, and I know it's not, I'm not supposed to say it, I had this distaste for stupid Christians. Now, why would I say that? Because... 
They weren't able to give me the answers. In fact, they gave me a lot of wrong answers and led me astray. In fact, when I finally became a Christian after wrestling with these questions and issues, and I discovered all these truths that were available, I was so angry. No one was able to answer these simple questions. You are a Christian. You proclaim that you love the Lord your God, but yet you cannot speak for him? This doesn't make any sense to me. As constant as I was in my own head, and the Lord broke through. He heard me. He heard the prayers of my mother. He heard the prayers of my brothers and sisters. He heard the prayers of my grandparents. And God reached me. I'm not going to go into my conversion story in this, this message because time is certainly running out. But I did become a Christian. And after searching, I landed in a Pentecostal church. You can show the next slide. Now, I had tried other churches, but when I read the New Testament, there was a vibrant spirituality that was there that I could not find anywhere else. Now, your mileage may vary, right? But in my own experience, my personal experience, I did not find a church experience that matched the New Testament in a way that this church matched the New Testament. These people were on fire. A group of young people, maybe about 30 people, but we were turning the world upside down. I could tell you stories of miracles. I can tell you stories of prophecies. I can tell you stories of changed lives. In this tiny little blue place, quick story. You see the corner right there by the, I don't have a pointer, but a white door on the, this side or this side? It was me and two other young men who dug the well for the toilet. I remember that one Sunday, one Saturday morning. It just came back to me. <laughs> but with this vibrant spirituality, I began to notice something strange. As on fire and as passionate as these young people were, there was a resistance to asking questions. There was a resistance to thinking. There was a resistance to engaging multiple perspectives. Now, you remember, I, I, I came from a high school that that's all we did. Now I'm in a church trying to get over my anger at Christians who are not thinking, and I'm landing in a bunch of Pentecostals where I see the power of God, and I could not deny the power of God was at work, but yet I'm still dealing with stupid Christians and who pride themselves in their stupidity. Who think that stupidity equals spirituality? That the more ignorant I am, the more used of God I can be. Because all that highfalutin knowledge is just going to corrupt you. Can I be honest? Don't be that stupid. I had a youth director who said to me, boy, certificates are not spirit. You know what she meant by that? She meant that your intelligence and your spirituality are incompatible and that you one day will have to choose one or the other. The moment she said those words, it was like an echo 
in my mind that I still hear to this day. I am going to prove you absolutely wrong. I am going to be on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to see the dead raised. I'm going to see the sick healed. I'm going to experience the power of God. But I am going to be an intellectual. There's no shortcut. We get that in the story. So I'm in ministry. And I'm serving the Lord because they start you off in ministry early. I started preaching when I was 16 years old. Preaching all over the, the country. Um, started to do regular preaching in church. By the time I was 18, they wanted me to be the pastor. And a check in my spirit came. You are a stupid Christian. You got no right being a pastor. I'm talking about myself. I am a stupid Christian. You need help. So I then began to realize I needed to get more information, more knowledge, more training. I came across a, uh, a pastor who said to me, I know people are telling you you don't need to go to Bible college. You don't need further training. You're smart enough. And I was really, really smart. I had memorized large portions of scripture. I could debate with the best of them. But I knew I didn't have enough. But people were saying, you don't need that. Come on, you don't need that. But then this old lady, she's a, she's a blind old pastor, Mother Taylor. She said to me, boy, listen. And they call this boy a lot, so it's okay. It's not a pejorative. It's not insulting. Boy, listen. You are an axe in the hands of God. God is going to use you. He's going to wield you. He's going to swing you hard. And you will be effective. But then she said the words that have changed my life. She said, but the sharper the axe, the deeper the cut. Your job, son, is to become the sharpest sharpest axe you can possibly be in the hands of Almighty God. And if that weren't enough, these old folks, they, they just dump stuff on you, right? She didn't dump this on me. She asked, the diff what's the difference between Peter and Paul? Peter was seemingly preeminent in the first set of apostles in the among the 12. Why is it that we can go for months, maybe years, and never hear a sermon uh, quoting the books that Peter wrote. But why is it that you can never, you can hardly be in a church where you haven't heard, heard Paul's message, Paul's writings quoted? And you know what she said to me? It's because Paul was trained. He was a sharper axe. And because he was a sharper axe, the cut was deeper. I'm going to fast forward really quickly to going to West Indies School of Theology. So this is where my wife comes into the story. We met and we argued and we decided, since we're arguing, we might as well make it legal, get married. <laughs> That's not true, it's not true, it's not true. <laughs> but we did argue a lot. <laughs> Be careful who you argue with, you might marry them someday. That's not prophetic. So I went to West Indian School of Theology to pursue my education, hit a roadblock. The church that was supporting me decided not to continue its support. 
In fact, it didn't even start. And so I had to drop out. I was serving the Lord, doing the right thing, but I had to drop out. I know what it's like to, to fail the first time at college, to just drop out and feel like a failure. Let's fast forward a bit to this next picture. That's the West Indian School of Theology right there, the pink one. It wasn't pink when we were there. That's a horrible pink. It's like, it was white when we were there. <laughs> fast forward to the next picture. So having flunked out of, um, or not flunked out, but having had to leave uh, Bible college, my wife and I emigrated to the United States and started from zero. I remember coming into JFK with nothing in their pockets except a subway token. A subway token. You know what it's like, right? Being broke. God can use broke too, right? After several years of just hard knocks, struggle after struggle, setback after setback, we finally started to make things right. We finally started to move forward. So you can go to the next picture. And then when we finally had the house with the white picket fence. Okay, any of you guys from Brooklyn? No, Brooklyn? Brooklyn is not in the house? Any New Yorkers in the house? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Judah, of course. You know how hard it is to get a single-family detached house with a white picket fence in New York City. And so we, we finally achieved this, thank the Lord, years of struggle over. I hear the words, uh-oh, leave everything and go study. <laughs> you want to know how I know it's not the devil? Seriously. I got so mad because I had everything I wanted. By that time, we were making six figures Many years ago, that's good money. Yeah. Finally had everything I wanted. And I wasn't happy. I was miserable. And I said, God, God, you're going to have to do something here. I, this doesn't make sense to me. It's not, it's not sensible. So I said to the Lord, Lord, you're going to show me in a dream tonight what I'm supposed to do. Isn't it, isn't it great when we order God around like that? That was born of desperation, though. I was going crazy. I really was. But the funny part is, I woke up the next day, and the dreams were all messed up. I mean, I had, so many, I had crazy dreams running across my mind. I was fuming with God until I got to work. Got to work. I saw the light on my voicemail. I picked up the, vo the, the, the phone, and I hear the words of my wife. Now, I had not spoken to her about any of this that was going on. I picked up the, the phone and the first words I heard were, honey, I had a dream last night. Gentlemen, sometimes, I dare say most times, the voice of your wife is the voice of God. <laughs> just saying, just saying. And the word was to sell everything that we had to go to Springfield, Missouri. Remember, I did not finish a bachelor's degree. I didn't. And I went to Springfield hoping that something could work out, the finances would work out. 
The miraculous thing is that I still don't have a bachelor's degree. That's a story in itself. And the audacity, I didn't have a bachelor's degree. I got accepted into a master's program without a bachelor's degree. And then I'm going to apply for the presidential scholarship. That's right. But I won the scholarship. So several years, several years later, after I had spoken, after I had made friends with the people who were on the committee, um, great friends like Dr. Cotton, Dr. Um, Rayleigh, and Dr. Um, uh, Aker, they said to me, they were so blown away by what I had written that it was just amazing, and they were so happy to invest in my life. Thank God for fathers in the gospel, right, and fathers in, in service. All right, moving quickly ahead, man. Um, let's go back to our text. What is going on here? Let me suggest to you one possibility. That this authors here wanted to emphasize something that was, may have been lost in translation. Remember, from Deuteronomy to the Gospels, it's many, 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 many years. It's also two different languages. And I have a sense, as I read this text, that the authors did not want something important to be dropped. And that thing they didn't want to be dropped was this emphasis on loving the Lord your God, not just with what we would consider the affective side of who we are, the emotional side of who we are, but loving God with the intellectual side of who you are. So let me suggest this, that the nurture of your mind, friends, the nurture of your mind is perhaps the single most important thing you can do as a Christian because the mind is an essential component in the loving of God. If you want to love God, you cannot do so without your mind. The mind frames things. The mind sees things. The mind aspires things. The, the mind dictates things. We need our minds. So quickly, as I wrap up, Let's go to the next slide. I want to illustrate this to you really powerfully, I, I hope. If we were to tar start with this picture from the bottom, it is your right corner, you can't even tell what it is, right? But as you go from right to left, and you go back up to the top right to the left, you notice something. It's probably not as clear on this screen as it would be on a, a, a picture, on a, a monitor. But what you notice in this is there is definition that occurs. What happened? Did your eyes change? No. We're all seeing the same images at the same time. What happened? What happened is that you were given more information. You were given more information. Let's show the next slide, please. It's there as well. Again, from left to right. Less information, more information, more depth. What is my point? My point is that the reason why many of us have a deficit in our lives, a deficit in our vision, a deficit in our understanding of God, a deficit in our love of God is because we don't have enough information. 
Where will you get this information? Where will you learn to love God with your whole mind? You have got to do the hard work of study because this is what will move you from infatuation to the God concept to love of God. To love of God. So you say you love God, but you hate study? It's not possible. See, with this new way of thinking, with this new way of appreciating the mind, there's certain binaries that disappear. The library versus chapel binary disappears. I can just be just as spiritual in the library as I am in the chapel. God can speak to me just as profoundly in the library as he does in the chapel. Tears versus strength. I, I, I'm not afraid of tears anymore. Uh, male, I, I don't have time to go through all these dichotomies. But the last one I want to hit is this. The book learning versus street smart. That disappears because you have more information. You are a careful student. So my vision then, and I'll close with this. I have three more slides and one is a, almost a repeat. My vision. My vision is to see an entire generation of young Christians who are just as excited about exuberant worship as they are about quietly reading and studying. I know it's simple. My vision is also to see generations of not just young Christians, but generations of Christians who are just as excited. We live in a world of titillation and excitement. Everything has to be over the top. But if everything is awesome, nothing is awesome. Quietly reading and studying. And so what is the mission of graduate and professional education then? My mission is to nurture a graduate and professional education culture that produces Christian intellectuals and thought leaders who, disciplined, empowered, and led by the Holy Spirit, can imagine a different future, world, business, church, educational structure, governmental structure. They can imagine it, and then they can create it. So you said you love God, right? You're going to work for him? You're going to work for it? This is the time in the semester where it all comes to a head. Let your study, hear my heart, let your study, let your study be your most profound act of worship. We had a moment in the history of Western philosophy. Not a, <laughs> she was there. Yeah. Thank you, Sophie. We had a moment where we were discussing God and time. A 
strange and abstract concept. We're wrestling, does God live in time, before time, after time, beyond time? How does God relate? And we were just, I mean, the classroom was on fire, and I stopped everyone and I said, this is worship. Just as profound, and I dare say, maybe even more profound than what might happen in chapel, because what happens in chapel is predicated upon what happens when you think. The reason why we can't worship is because we don't know what we're worshiping. All right, I've said enough. Stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. Do you love God? Do you love God? Do you love God? Let me hear you say, I love you, Lord. Come on, shout out. Shout out. Go study. 